guest today is Victoria Ransom, co-founder of Prisma. Victoria, welcome to the show. Hi, Blake. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad you're here. You and I met through a mutual friend back in April or May uh, before Prisma officially launched. And I got a little insight into what you and your husband, Alan, were planning, and I got really excited for it. And now Prisma has launched. We're recording in late August, and and things are happening. Uh, this is very exciting, and I think this is the right time to tell the world about what Prisma is and who it's for. So that's my first question for you. What what is Prisma, and who is it for? Sure. So what we provide is uh, what we consider to be a complete solution for families that want to educate their kids from home. Uh, and uh, our goal is to make it very easy for parents and to make it a very social and connected experience for kids. So we like to think that we provide all the best parts of homeschooling, the flexibility, the ability for kids to really focus on what they're interested in, uh, the ability for kids to go at the pace that they want to go out to experience learning in a very hands-on way while taking away or taking care of the parts that can be challenging for some families like uh, parents needing to really supervise their kids learning for for some families that's easy for some families that's really a big challenge uh, and uh, enabling or providing a close-knit peer group for the kids to meet with every day to learn with to share ideas um, uh, you know we truly believe that homeschooled kids are very well socialized but it can take quite a lot of effort to provide that and we want to make that very easy for homeschool families and so would you like me to go into sort of a little more detail about how it actually works yeah, let me just kind of clarify what you said. So sure. the kind of kids uh, that it's for are kids who want to take advantage of the freedoms of homeschooling, but also definitely want to have access to friends, like don't want to be isolated. And right. for parents who perhaps feel a bit overwhelmed by the challenge of, of stepping into homeschooling, maybe for the first time, and thinking that they have to do all this different, all these different things, and, and you say, well, let us take care of some of those things for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and therefore... We really believe that we open up the joy and benefits of homeschooling to families who might never have been able to do that or perhaps have never even considered it. And therefore, we think we're a great solution for homeschool families, but we're also a great solution for families who have kids that for one reason or another are just not loving or not thriving in school. Maybe they're bored and they need to move faster or maybe uh, they the social experience at school is, is not really positive. So we really think we're an option for uh, that goes well beyond families that already homeschool. Mm. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I, I love how you, you lay this out on the Prisma homepage. Uh, who is Prisma for? You say, it's for kids who say, I hate school. It's for families disappointed by local options. It's for families who are already homeschooling. And then the last one, the, the closest one to my heart, are the rebels, idealists, and <laughs> lifelong learners. Although I definitely sympathize with the kids who say, I hate school, too. Um, so, yeah, please go ahead and tell us a bit more about the, the, the program, what, what you yeah. offer. How it works. Yeah, so what we do is we group kids into, we call them cohorts. So cohorts of uh, around 20 other kids. We're focused right now on middle school. Uh, so actually fourth grade through eighth grade. And uh, we peer those kids up with a coach. So this is someone who's just 
really talented at motivating and bringing out the best in kids. The role of the coach is not traditional teacher at all. Uh, the coach is there to help the kids set their goals, to help them meet their goals. Uh, the coach is there to facilitate really meaningful discussions among the group. So I'll talk in a little bit about the synchronous time that the kids spend together. Uh, the coach is there to provide feedback, uh, not letter grades, not ABC grades. We don't do that at all, but provide really valuable written and verbal feedback daily on the kids' work so that they can... Um, see very on a very quick basis on where they can improve how they can do even better and most of all the coach is there to just be a really trusted mentor in the kids lives and and really motivate them to to bring out their best mm. and the kids uh, so this group of 20 kids they spend part of their day synchronously on live video together and part of their day working independently the synchronous time is focused on the kind of activities that we think it really makes sense to bring kids together for so it's not to sit there and listen to someone lecture at them it's not to work silently on their work while they're all uh, connected together Together, it's to have really deep, meaningful discussions about issues that are super relevant and super interesting to kids. It's to do small group exercises so they can learn to collaborate. It's to socialize and really form strong bonds. It's to share work and get advice from each other and motivate each other. Uh, that's our synchronous time. And then the kids spend uh, time each day working independently and this is when they focus on what you'd think of as more core curriculum so their math and their science and their English language arts but we've designed this curriculum in a way that uh, there's a lot of choice there's a lot of flexibility so a kid that wants to zoom ahead and and end up several grade levels ahead of where they might otherwise be can do that and a kid that needs to take their time or find something they're really interested in and wants to deep dive uh, can do that and then uh, although this is independent work the rest of the kids from the cohort and the coach are there just one click away if uh, a kid wants to jump on chat or jump on zoom to get support and we also provide scaffolding in the form of one-on-ones with the coach and we actually have a, an accountability group where the kids check it in with each other in the morning and the end of the day to to see what their goals were and, and how well they met them so there's you know, it's independent time, but with a lot of connectivity still to the group and the coach. Mm -hmm. And when we first connected about Prisma, I was uh, very taken by this, this vision of the facilitator instead of the, the teacher as the mm -hmm. one bringing together the, the cohort and being that uh, the, the glue there. How big are the cohorts? How many kids? Uh, so we think of the cohort as being uh, between 15 and 20 kids is is what we think is the ideal size. Uh, you know, that's something we may experiment with over time, but we think that's that's big enough to provide a good amount of diversity and, um, you know, different different interests among the group so kids can find other kids that share their common interests but small enough that they can all get to know each other really really well and that the coach can get to know them really well and that they can have you know good discussions via synchronous time although I would say that a lot of the discussions we will do breakout groups so that it's an even smaller mm -hmm. uh, number of kids so they can mm -hmm. really all be heard. And you just used the, the future tense we will do breakout groups has the first cohort started running yet no so yes i mean you talked to us pre-launch which meant 
pre-website going online or or anything like that. Uh, but the really big piece of the launch will be on September 8th when our first um, cohorts begin. And that's going to be orientation week. So we have our families all lined up. We are ready to go. But in fact, the orientation week has not kicked off yet. And you are full, right? The, the, the doors are closed for fall 2020. Yes, they are. Um, but I would say we've been very restrictive. Um, our goal here for this, this is our pilot trimester. We're on a trimester model. Uh, this is our pilot. So we wanted to keep it really small and focus on providing an amazing experience. And particularly, we are focused on, we've selected our families based on their excitement about the model and their willingness to give us a lot of feedback. Mm. Uh, I would say a really strong founding principle here at Prisma is we want to listen to first and foremost, the kids and uh, absolutely their parents too to really hear what's working for them. And so we have a vision for how this will work. We're very excited about that, but we want to get our pilot kids in there experiencing this and we're going to hear from them every day about what they mm. thought went really well. One other thing. So go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. One other core feature of your model, which I was very taken with uh, that I feel is, is worth mentioning at this point before we move on to other questions is the fact that these cohorts are geographically Based, uh, although I see there's a new full online option, but but the, the original vision was there's a, a co you know cohort in San Francisco, a cohort in Miami, and yes. the number of cohorts expands, and this gives the groups a chance to meet up physically, in real life, yes. and and that is a cool idea. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so obviously COVID is uh, inter interrupting our ability and everybody's ability to do in-person interactions, but absolutely a core uh founding part of our vision and as soon as COVID has subsided whatever that looks like we will work on implementing this is the idea that the kids in a cohort would be as closely geographically co-located as possible so although their education is happening from home they'll still meet synchronously via live video each day we want them to be able to get together in person as much as possible. So that could be just spontaneously organized between the families and the kids. They get together for to hang out. They get together to do a project. They might get together regularly. A you know, group of kids might decide that they get together every day to do their Prisma experience in somebody's home. But we also uh, are curating a lot of in-person get-togethers. So we've actually designed our schedule so that Fridays are very flexible. The idea being that the coach and the kids would get together for any kind of in-person experience that the cohort's interested in doing. They might go on a hike or they might meet at a park. We've designed our trimesters so that the uh, orientation week is actually an in-person two or three or four day experience. Uh, we imagine that we would kick off with a camp in the woods type experience, but actually uh, the kids will and the coach will have a lot of flexibility around what they want to do. We've designed in a service learning, three-week service learning experience where the kids design a service learning project in their community and they get together to do that together. Uh, so this is very much at the heart of what we want to do. Again, COVID is, um, we need to change mm -hmm. it this year. Yeah, I get that. Let's take a few steps back. And what led you and your husband and co-founder, Alon, to dream up Prisma in the first place and then to actually create it yeah absolutely so uh this all happened because of our own kids we we still have young kids our oldest is just turning six but a couple of years ago we really started to think carefully about uh, how we wanted to educate our kids 
we live in an area, we live in the Bay Area where there's uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of very competitive families. Uh, you hear about a lot of anxiety and stress. And so that concerned us. And frankly, we just want our kids to love learning and childhood is, is short. So we want it to be fun and exciting and stimulating. So that was one motivation for us to think differently about how we might educate our kids. The other was we really love to travel and we wanted to keep some flexibility in our lives. So I would say we didn't think about homeschooling right away. We started looking in other areas. We looked at micro schools and we looked at different alternative schools in our area. We looked into progressive education, but eventually we started looking at homeschooling. And I will admit, I started out uh, with all the same stereotypes that I think a lot of people <laughs> have. You know, that homeschool kids are isolated and they're not well socialized and so not true. The more we started talking to homeschool families, the more inspired we became by the efficiency with, with which kids get through their mm-hmm. curriculum and therefore the ability they have to delve into what they're excited about, to experience learning in a really hands-on way, uh, the beautiful communities that homeschoolers create. And so we got excited about homeschooling, but I'd say there were two things that still felt like barriers to us. And one was the need of the parent to really get in there and guide their child's learning. And for a variety of reasons, we weren't sure we were the right people to do that for our own kids. And the other is, you know, we really, we really like the idea of our kids having access to a core group of other kids that they can learn with and chat with and support each other on a daily basis, mm. uh, which is one thing that school does provide, regular mm-hmm. school. You know, it's not always positive, but it, it's there. And so we dreamed of getting all the good parts of homeschooling, but solving for those two pieces, which I think mm. is, you know, that's what Prisma does. Yeah. And if I could dig a little bit more into those two core concerns that your family mm-hmm. had. Um, uh, for the second one, uh, did you look into local homeschooling co-ops, kind of these free decentralized networks that that could provide that regular face-to-face community? And then for the first point, um, did you and your husband consider unschooling, uh, which would, you know, kind of remove this this sense of obligation to formally teach and to to fulfill that often impossible role of of being parent plus teacher? Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we certainly did uh, and have looked into unschooling. We you know, part of our exploration into this whole space was we talked to, I think it was, we did in-depth interviews with 15 uh, different homeschool families. That was sort of how we kicked off. This was uh, several years ago now. And several of those families were unschooling families. And frankly, I was really inspired by their approach. A number of those families would, I believe it's called strewing, where they would put different materials around the house. And it was amazing to hear Um the kind of results that they were getting with their kids. Nevertheless, uh, we are in the position where even just the mere being there with the kids um, to physically support them was going to be a, a bit of a challenge for us. And we're talking about, you know, our oldest is just turning six now. Um, plus, I mm. would say we really have a vision here for expanding homeschooling and making it accessible to more families and I do think for a family that's never considered homeschooling to dive right in at the point of 
you know, complete unschooling. I will be mm-hmm. hands off. Is it's a big step, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think we're providing. Th- there's a lot of unschooling in our philosophy, and if we talk more in a little bit about the curriculum, mm-hmm. for example, it's it's a little like strewing done digital digitally. But mm-hmm. I think for families that have never even thought about homeschooling, let alone unschooling, we provide sort of the baby steps. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about how self-directed Prisma is. And so in the book that I recently published, I discuss a category of schools that I call the somewhat self-directed techie alternative schools into which we might put uh, Brightworks or Acton Academies. Uh, There's a number of, of, they're typically private schools and they've got incredible resources, incredible instructors, super experiential, super project-based, but it's hard to tell often like progressive schools at the at the core, there's this very strict non-negotiable kind of curriculum that you have to fulfill. And if you don't, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's quite different from the, the self-directed programs that I, I typically highlight on this podcast and, and in my work. And so I'm just curious how you see Prisma fitting into this. And, and to be very specific, what is it that a Prisma student absolutely has to do? And then what can they say no to? Right, right. A great question. So I guess the first clarifying point is we are not actually a school. We're a resource and a very um, complete resource, I would say, for homeschooling Mm. families. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're here to support our families, not to tell them what to do. And so I think we're actually going to be uh, very, very flexible in terms of of the way that families use our resources and and how they think about the different pieces of our program. Uh, Just to to, to clarify that, so you're not a school that a kid enrolls in, you are more like a a homeschool support program. You're you're just a private entity that supports people who are probably legally homeschooling. Correct. All our families will be enrolled as homeschoolers, therefore they control their child's transcript and uh, they need to comply with the requirements of homeschooling in their state. Although I think our program actually makes it extremely easy because we can help keep track of of the work that the kids are doing. Um, But yeah, absolutely. We are a resource to homeschool families. So we are not here to to provide a whole bunch of rules. Um, But let's get into the nitty gritty. I would say, uh, so for example, we've had families, uh, particularly homeschool families have said, can my child miss synchronous time? Yeah, sure. Your child can absolutely miss synchronous time. And if you have a really great family activity planned, that's probably a wonderful use of your child's time. On the other hand, if a family says they always want to miss synchronous time, well, then I would say probably it's not a very worthwhile program for you because that's sort of part of the heart of the program. And if mm-hmm. nobody shows up to these really rich discussions and these re- rich socialization opportunities, then they won't be very valuable. So I think uh, there will be no attendance rules, but a family who isn't excited about regularly attending that piece of our program, I think, would find that they're just not getting the value that they could get out of our program. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it relates to the curriculum, um, basically the way we've designed it is it's, uh, and we should talk, uh, maybe after this, we can talk, take a step back and talk more broadly about the program. Cause we have these four areas of life skills, yeah, worldview, mastery, and knowledge, but I'll, I'll deep dive right now on knowledge, which is the area of our program 
that would look the most like traditional curriculum. Basically, kids do four knowledge badges in a trimester. And right now we've designed it so that they are all working on the same four broad subject areas. Uh, and the reason for that is we want there to be some commonality of what the kids are working on so they can do projects together, so they can give feedback on each other's work. But within a, a particular um, knowledge badge, there's a whole lot of flexibility. So let me give you an example. One of the knowledge badges that the kids will be working on in the first trimester is uh, experimental design. So that's their science badge for that trimester. And so they'll all start out just briefly going through um, materials around why the heck should you even care about this? What is, why is experimentation important in society? What uh, are the basics of, of a successful experiment or a valid experiment? And then the kids get to choose tracks that they focus on. Now they have four tracks that they can choose from right now. Over time, we'll be able to expand this, but this is our pilot trimester. So uh, the tracks in our experimental design badge, there is chemistry and baking. There is the physics of falling. There is, I'm forgetting the, the, the cute name, but it's around the brain, neuroscience and uh, psychology. And okay. the final one is around botany. So okay. kids would choose which of those are, they're interested in. And basically we've curated a whole bunch of resources relating to that topic that we think are the most interesting resources available online. It could be videos, articles, research uh, reports, excerpts from podcasts, and the kids get to pick and choose from that. So that's a little bit like sort of hmm. screwing, I guess, where there's interesting nuggets of information and a kid that wants to can go and consume everything. Another kid can pick and choose or go more slowly or a deep dive in a particular area. So, so this, so, sorry, go um, ahead. The chemistry and baking, let's take yeah. that as an example. Like mm -hmm. what, what is required of, of a participant in, in Prisma, uh, when it comes to the chemistry and baking, like what, what's the absolute minimum that they need to do? Or could they really just like look, you know, watch one YouTube video that is suggested in the chemistry and baking track and then say like, eh, not that interested. Like what would happen at that point? I think at that point we haven't had it happen yet, but at that point there would be a conversation with the coach to say, uh, Hey, why have you decided to not move further, further with this? And if, the kid says because it's really boring then I think there would the encouragement would be we'll take a look at something else and see if it's more mm -hmm. interesting okay. um you know we have a, a really what I believe a really talented curriculum team here that is absolutely going to be looking for feedback like that and mm -hmm. so we're still small enough and early enough right now that if a kid says I don't like anything in your science badges, then we can look for other options. Mm -hmm. Over time, we may not be able to be that uh, customized to every single child. But of course, over time, we'll be able to build more and more and more resources so that there's even more choice there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it would not be, oh, you don't like it? Too bad. You just have to do it anyway. No, there's no conversation <laughs> yeah, like this because we want to create a love of learning. You don't have grades anyway. It's like, what, what's your threat? What's your stick? Right. Here. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, to be clear, we've had some homeschool families that have said, we love what you're doing, but we have a science curriculum that we really love and we've been doing it for years. Can we do that? Hmm. And, and we said, yeah, sure. Why don't you get your kid to take a look at our badge? They might get really excited about it. We think they will. But if you have another science uh, curriculum that you want to have your child work through, no problem at all. Okay. Um, and then after kids have gone, consumed these resources, then we have a bunch of little mini projects, basically ways that the kids can then 
apply what they've been learning. And again, there's a whole bunch of them and they can pick and choose from those. So we're hoping at no point as a, as a kid having to uh, do a project or demonstrate their learning in a way that's not interesting to them. You can imagine an experimental design. There's a whole lot of experiments where the kids are getting in their kitchen and baking and testing out, mixing different things together or botany they're out in the garden. Um, so again, We've designed that in a way that we believe gives choice, flexibility, and also for kids that want to really do much more and move much faster, they can do that. For other kids that want to take their time in one particular uh, project area, they can do that too. Great. And I want to take your suggestion and go on to describe the, the other three major areas of Prisma because knowledge is one of them. Then you said life skills, worldview, and mastery. So can you tell Correct. us a little bit about each yeah. of those? Yeah. So we believe a re another really big founding sort of philosophy here is that uh, it's as important for kids to develop core skills and qualities as it is for them to obtain knowledge in, in math or any of the different uh, sort of core disciplines. Fr frankly, I'd, I'd say it's even more important. Uh, and so we've really looked at what are the kind of skills that we think kids need to, to succeed in this uh, very rapidly changing future of ours. And we're very inspired by the so-called 21st century skills. So things like critical thinking and creativity and being an excellent communicator, being very adaptable, self-directed. And so in a variety of ways, we build that into our curriculum, particularly in our synchronous time, where we're literally spending sessions talking about these different skills, developing these skills, but frankly, it's very inherent in our approach anyway. Things like self-direction and adaptability are just kids will have to learn to excel in that to succeed or to do really well in our model. Uh, so that is a really big focus area that's, uh, that's partly dedicated through our synchronous time and partly just inherently in the model. Worldview is we believe that it's really important to give kids the chance to really dig deep into societal issues that we hope they'll find really meaningful and interesting and frankly that they're going to have to deal with um, when as they grow up. So this could be things like um, talking about income inequality or talking about environmental issues and, and our, um, you know, our responsibilities as custodians of, of this earth. Uh, actually, in our first trimester, we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about education. Whose responsibility is education? Should it be mm. mandatory to go to school? Uh, is it what, what things about school? Uh, do we think are really important? What things do we think are are focused on but are not so important? What does your dream school look like? Uh, so that's actually going to be a big focus of the first trimester. Life skills focus for our tr first trimester is actually going to be a lot about what does it take to be a successful Prisma learner, which is quite a lot. You know, this will be familiar to a lot of homeschool families of unlearning what you've learned in school. Of mm, Like the uh, habits. Yeah, exactly. If you need to set your own goals and set your own schedule, how do you do that? If you're told you can work on any project you like this trimester, how do you even think of that? How do you creatively mm. come up with a project idea? Um, our mastery area is uh, the idea here is that kids will pick something they're really passionate about at the beginning of the year. 
And then they will practice that and work at that on a concerted basis throughout the whole year. There'll be check-ins for them to demonstrate what they're learning. There'll be a diary where they, they keep track of, of their progress and the frustrations. But the idea being, hopefully kids come out of that with a lifelong passion. But even if they don't, they have had to experience grit and had to experience what it's like to really practice and practice at something. And, and ideally they will see how much improvement they can make when they really set their mind to something. And then the final area is the, is the knowledge badge area, which yeah. I already talked about. Yeah. So this is a lot to wrap our heads around, especially if someone's yes. driving in a car right now, yes, we're going sure. on a walk and thinking, Oh, oh there's so much going on here, but let right, me see if I got this correct. Yeah. Uh, there's the knowledge and the mastery areas, which is largely something kids work on, uh, on their own. That's, correct. that's more yes. independent. And then there's the life skills and the worldview or the, the current issues um, areas and that those seems seem to be the areas that you discuss in the synchronous time with the learning coach. Yes, that is what the synchronous time is mostly focused on. Although we also use synchronous time for kids to demonstrate what they've been working on, to give each other feedback, um, and in fact, each day we also have a we start off with a daily stand up where kids are talking about you know their plans for the day and helping to get each other motivated for the day yeah. but but otherwise yeah that that's right that's the main use of the synchronous time the daily stand-up has uh, some resonance with the agile learning center yes. model and also just agile development in, in general if i'm correct exactly it's very common practice among software engineering teams here in silicon yeah. valley that's for sure yeah and actually i i didn't dive into this more when I was asking about your background, but can you just tell us a little bit more about the previous work that you and, and Alon did? Because you, you do have a history in Silicon Valley, and I think that's an interesting part of the story here. Yeah, sure. Well, so I guess the first thing to mention is I'm from New Zealand, if anybody's wondering about my funny accent. Uh, but I have been in the US, I came over for college, and I've been in Silicon Valley with my husband. Uh, he's actually from Switzerland uh, for more than 10 years now. We, uh, when was it? Back in 2008. So we've actually been entrepreneurs pretty much our whole life since I was in my, we were both in our early 20s. We've had an adventure travel company and, um, you know, a, a, a small number of businesses, ventures. Uh, the most successful of which was a company we founded in 2008 called Wildfire, which was actually in the marketing space, social marketing. We ended up uh, selling that to Google and we spent a few years of, at Google and then we told ourselves uh, whatever we do next we want it to be something that can have a large very positive impact on the world and we've actually um, you know we've spent the past three or four years very focused on family and really thinking about what that impact would look would look like and we've explored a variety of different areas and then it was uh, through that journey that we started thinking about our own kids education got really fascinated by education we read a lot about the public school system and why it works the way it does uh, which then created this really nice intersection between our goal of providing a different approach to education for our own kids providing a positive impact on the world um, such that we've now got really excited about focusing on education and uh, you know I haven't really mentioned it but one of the one of the things we're really excited about with our model is that if kids love it and if they really um, you know we find that it's a really great way to educate kids it's a very scalable approach so to your point there's all kinds of really interesting 
um, progressive schools out there and schools that follow a more self-directed approach, but it's sort of one little private school here and one little private school there, generally not affordable to most families, and they're certainly hard to scale. What we're excited about with this model is uh, its ability to be much more affordable than your typical uh, mm. private school, much more affordable, and its ability to scale really widely, um, again, if we find that kids and families really love it. So this is a question I was going to ask later, but I think we're at the appropriate moment for it. And if Prisma turned out to be popular and functional and, and wildly successful even, then what might it look like five years down the road or perhaps even farther? Do you have a vision for that already? Yeah, we do. And um, we kind of like to say that we, w- the vision for Prisma is that it would provide the best of both worlds. So the intimacy and the support and the customization that comes from a one-room schoolhouse, that's the cohort. It's like your little one-room schoolhouse with your coach and your kids with the breadth and the diversity and the opportunity that would come from from being a part of the world's largest educational network. We call it a co-learning network. Uh, So imagine we have cohorts all over the United States, but not just the United States, all around the world. And we're hearing from families all over the world about Prisma, interest in Prisma. So imagine the kind of opportunities and interactions that could happen between those cohorts where kids from different countries throughout the world who happen to be interested about robotics or about climate change could be interacting and forming little action groups or clubs. Uh, Imagine kids across cohorts are tutoring each other or working on projects together. Um, Imagine the kind of speakers that we could bring in if we had these cohorts uh, of large numbers of kids, uh, an amazing speaker could just come in and virtually present to our kids. And we think that could be very exciting. We even, you know, really, when we think about how amazing this could be, we dream about kids from different cohorts being able to do exchanges or imagine Mm. you're in Paris and your family, this is a, you know, obviously accessible to certain kinds of families, but you want to spend a trimester there, there's a Prisma cohort there. You can just plug right in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we really, the, what we, what we can provide already in our pilot year is the, the beauty of the one room schoolhouse piece. What we're really excited about building out is the, the amazing opportunities that come from being a really broad network. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that global vision. That's very exciting. And, and, this idea of scalability, while a lot of people may cringe initially because it feels like it just, you know, it's it's the same thing as saying, like, we can make a ton of money off of this. Really, what you're describing is, is are these network effects that come from doing, from creating this sort of community at scale and, and crossing cultural barriers, um, you know, helping facilitate these, these connections between kids from different parts of the, the world. That's really cool. So. And I should I should address the um, you know the make a ton of money because that is absolutely not our goal here. We we do want to create a viable business model because again, if you want to have a really big impact, if we can do that through the business model of of Prisma itself rather than having to fundraise and fu- you know um, do it through philanthropic contributions that we believe will enable us to have a much bigger impact. But we've really thought about our model to make it as affordable as possible and to build into the pricing model itself 
tiered pricing opportunities so that families who cannot afford our standard pricing, that there's, uh, we, we can offer up a much cheaper option for them. And families mm-hmm. that can easily afford it, well, then, it, you know, it, it is very affordable already relative to uh, your standard private schools. So our goal at this point is that at least 40% of our families will be uh, heavily or quite subsidized in our model. Mm-hmm. And can you give us just a, a ballpark of what the, the fall 2020 tuition levels are and, and, and perhaps yeah. so the we've maximum pri- and, and then the, the lower levels also? Yeah, we've priced it at 7,900 for the year. Uh, and that includes everything. There's no additional expenses for activities mm-hmm. or anything um, curriculum in there. And then within that, uh, we have families that are able to pay, well, we have families that are paying less than a thousand dollars, a few hundred dollars. And then we have families that are, you know, paying, perhaps they're paying $5,000 because that felt easily affordable in a way that 7,900 did not. I think pricing is something we'll have to uh, play with over, t- over time to figure out what the what the right level is. But our goal was that even our standard pricing uh, was attainable to a lot of families and uh, is certainly much more affordable than private school. Yes, especially in the context of the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. it's like you're dirt cheap. People are probably wondering what's wrong with you to offer something well, like Well, sometimes that's the problem. We got that feedback, actually, of like, well, if you're cheap, are you really quality? And I think that's where people have to look at what goes into a lot of the costs of schools. And we've taken a lot of that away. The, the building and the, the bureaucracy that goes around that, um, we are able to take that out of the, out of the, out of the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some questions from the parent's perspective. So mm-hmm. first question that a, a new homeschooling parent or potentially homeschooling parent is probably going to ask is how involved do I have to be in this whole Prisma thing? Can I just hand my kid over to my Prisma learning coach and and, and go off and, and come back in, in three months and my kid, child <laughs> will be educated? I'll leave some cereal and milk. <laughs> no, they definitely don't do that. Um, so the goal here, and we've said that before, because that was part of my husband, my own goal here is to make it as hands-off as possible for the parents. But I want to say too, that for parents that want to be really involved, great. I mean, kids thrive on their parents being really, uh, you know, interested in their education. So we're not saying you can't be involved as a parent, but we are designing this in a way where, for example, if you need to go to work each day uh, and uh, you need grandma, to be the one that's watching your child or um, a neighbor or that that's fine, that that will work. But you do need someone physically in your house to, to make sure we're talking about middle schoolers here, just to make mm-hmm. sure your child is physically safe. Beyond that, the goal here is that, you know, you've got a coach and peers that are helping uh, kick off the day with your kid. Uh, there's a, a, a process there for, for kids to be able to write down what their goals are both for the week and then daily and check-ins for that. The coach is doing quick check-ins each day with the kids. They're doing regular one-on-ones. They're providing feedback on the kids' work. So a lot of what a parent would have to do, unless they are, you know, truly doing unschooling and and, and, and can be very, very hands-off, uh, we are taking care of 
you know, all the things I just mentioned are the things that a homeschooling parent would often need mm-hmm. to do that they will not need to do in, in the PRISMA model. So one of my biggest criticisms of conventional education is that it it demands that the parent becomes this sort of enforcer of, of school goals right. and the, the homework yeah. cop. And so is there any element of PRISMA staff relying upon parents to nudge kids into completing assignments? There is not, uh, that, that is not, um, the assumption at all. So mm-hmm. we have a coach that will be able to see each day what a, the kid has got through and see what work they've done. And, and I think the, the coach will be connecting directly with the child about that. Okay. Uh, hey. I want to, I want to be honest though, this is our first pilot trimester. So, you know, there may be some kids yeah. that absolutely yeah. thrive in our model and there'll be maybe some kids who, who do still need the support of their parent. And so I don't want to overpromise, but the goal is absolutely that it's the peers and the coach that step in, uh, not the parent. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so this leads me to another question and it's another tricky one. Uh, do you have any way of, of preventing parents from signing their kids up without their kids' consent? Is there any sort of, of, of vetting of how genuine a kid's interest oh. is ahead of that child being enrolled? Yeah. which would work out better for, for everyone, right? Yeah, well, we've talked to all the kids. So I guess the, um, oh, that's good. I, you know, the way we've done that is that part of our process before we accept a family is to talk to the parents and the kid. And uh, most of those conversations have happened between the coach and the kid without mm. the parent even being there. We didn't, mm. you know, if a mm-hmm. parent was there, that's fine. But that was the intention of the conversation. Actually, I feel like we've had the opposite happen, which is we're really excited about of kids that have really pushed their parents. Huh. Instead that's of cool. And we're, yeah. you know, uh, we're super excited by that. That And yeah. in some cases we even heard it was the kid we heard from first that contacted yeah. us and said, I'm yeah. interested in Prisma. We love that. I, I love that too. Um, Okay, what um, what kind of parental concerns um, have been voiced to you regarding Prisma? Like, like what are parents worried about when they read through your webpage and they read your extensive FAQ? What, what's still there? Yeah, um, so I think it depends on where the parents are coming from. So it's different concerns we're hearing whether a family has homeschooled for a long time or whether it's a family that has never homeschooled. Uh, from the families that haven't homeschooled, it's, it's the usual kind of things that you hear from families that are um, not as familiar with homeschooling. So first of all, it's, well, I need to register as a homeschooler. How do I do that? What does that require of me? Uh, it's things like, will my child be ready for high school? Uh, sometimes we're hearing, will I get a transcript? Uh, those kinds of questions. And, you know, I, I will be honest, sometimes we're also hearing, uh, you know, uh, how will I what do you mean my child doesn't get grades? And, and and there are some families, I'd say, the concerns that we're hearing from make us say, probably not a great fit. Um, mm. We're not saying mm. we're for everybody. You have to really be attracted by a progressive, self-directed approach to education. Mm-hmm. Um, from homeschool families, we're hearing more about things like flexibility and exactly what you asked before, what can I say no to? So from homeschool families, we've heard, can my child, can we take a vacation during the middle of the trimester? Yes, absolutely. If your kid wants to um, join the synchronous sessions while you're on vacation, that'd be great. But if they don't, that's okay. We do record them. They can watch later if they want to. Um, And things like, can I miss a synchronous session? And like I said, some families saying, we really love what you're doing, but we have this curriculum we really love and math. Can we keep doing it? Yes. Yes, you can keep doing it. So that's sort of the bucket of concerns I think we've heard. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, let's touch on two of those concerns, the ones about grades and the ones about um, not having a you know formal diploma or something, essentially having yeah. a portfolio in lieu of, of a formal transcript or grades and how that transitions into high school since you're working with middle schoolers at this point. What are your answers to those concerns? Yeah, uh, so grades, um, you know, our, our philosophy there is that we really want kids to be focused on improving their own performance for the joy and excitement that comes from from learning and improving and always doing better, not because they're trying to get an A. And the last thing we want, and I think kids get really good at this, is knowing exactly how much work they need to do in order to get an A and do no more than that. Well, what a shame that is. So uh, that, and then you've got the other kids that are just so demotivated by by grades that they don't even they didn't even try. Um, it mm. seems pointless to them. So uh, we do not believe that that's the best way to motivate kids, that providing really valuable feedback based on how they themselves can improve uh, is much more valuable. And in our experience, uh, aside from perhaps some very competitive private schools, kids do not need a transcript with grades on it in order to move on to any high school they want. Uh, if a family were applying for a very competitive school that needed some kind of validation like that, our coaches will intimately know and understand the ability levels of our kids and can provide very de detailed references mm -hmm. or really whatever a, a competitive school would need. Um, as it relates to transcript, I mean, we've made clear to families that if you're a homeschooling family, you own your child's transcript, but we can help them convert a child's portfolio into something something that looks more like a transcript. Mm. So mm -hmm. if you've done this particular course badge in Prisma, we can help the parent convert that into what would look like a recognizable class in a middle school. I think that's actually going to be quite easy to do. Yeah, um, and that's, that's sorry, a very valuable service that a lot of parents are, I think, appreciate. And previous guests on this podcast, like the, the founders of the Clonlara School, West Beach, uh, that's essentially like one of the major services that they offer is, is saying, we take your kids messy, self-directed all over the place, uh, homeschooling experience and turn it into a transcript. That looks pretty awesome. And, and, and you can, you can understand it if you are a high school or a college guidance counselor. Exactly. So I, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I think that will help attract more families who are skeptical to Great. Take the okay. First step. okay. And then as it relates to being ready for high school, I mean, our philosophy here is that to thrive in high school, uh, our kids will need to enter high school. By, by the way, we have a vision here. We'd love to offer high school, uh, high school solution ourselves, but we don't right now. Um, uh, we believe kids need to be at grade level or ahead in math. Uh, we think they can often be ahead following the Prisma uh, approach. We want them to be excellent writers, confident writing, and be able to write in a variety of different media. We want them to love reading and, again, be confident reading across a variety of different uh, media. We want them, although I don't know that high schools focus enough on this and middle schools too, but we want them to be very confident oral communicators, able to you know, discuss, uh, have a, uh, make a strong argument in any kind of discussion topic. Beyond that, then we think it's all about the sort of the, 
the skills and the qualities that you enter high school with, the ability, first of all, that you love learning and are excited about learning, the ability to be self-motivated and set goals, the ability to get along with others and work in a small group and be a leader of a small group. We think if a kid has those qualities and that's what we're going to be focusing on, they will thrive in high school and probably be better prepared than many other kids. Uh, What I didn't say there is that they need to know these particular facts and figures in science or that they need to have covered this particular topic in history because our belief as it relates to those subjects is we want to expose our kids to science we want to expose them to social studies we want to expose them to computer science and ideally get them really excited about it help them understand why those subjects are important so that they enter high school super excited about all the different subject areas that they could choose to focus in but what we're not what we don't believe is that there's any particular area within those subjects that they absolutely need to cover before they get into high school Mm -hmm. this is really cool whenever i talk to people about public school reform and they say, what about exposure to important domains of knowledge? And they press me for a practical solution. I often say, well, what if you could just have like the most interesting parts of chemistry communicated in like two weeks instead of having to take a full semester or full year and, and just do that for everything. And it wouldn't take that much time. So what I'm hearing is that while Prisma offers a lot of self-direction and hopefully that leads to these personal qualities that make someone, uh, you know, a self-motivated, self-aware learner who can re-enter formal education and thrive if they so choose. Um, you also are saying, well, there are these important areas of life that we're going to expose you to, but we promise to not make it boring and we promise to, to not take up too much of your time. It's just a, a sampling of these different areas. Am I getting this correct? Yeah, yeah, that uh, that's right. And in fact, uh, you know, I mentioned in our science badges, there's different choices. If a kid, a kid could choose uh, to focus most often on biology and get really deep in biology, and maybe they get limited exposure to physics. Um, we're okay with that because we believe the important thing is to be really excited about the general area of science to understand why it's important to, mm. to, to know about science, but they can pick up and, and uh, take physics courses in, in high school and they will have the skills and the foundation to be able to do perfectly well. Um, so we're really more excited, more interested in getting that sparking that excitement and frankly um, giving kids the tools so they can learn anything making them really great resource researchers, making them great consumers of information more than again, you know, whether you cover the civil war or not by the time you get to high school, uh, that will depend on whether you're really excited about that. You're preaching to, to the choir. As far as I'm concerned, I, I love, I love everything you're saying. Um, all right. Let, let me, we're almost done here. Let me throw you a, a hard question. Um, so we already talked about like, what if Prisma is wildly successful? How about this? What if, if Prisma fails, if, if this idea does not grip many families and mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't become a sustainable business, uh, what, what, what do you envision are the reasons that it, it may fail? This is a sort of pre-mortem thought experiment here. Yeah, well, it's a great question. And everyone who's starting something should think about that. Mm. Uh, I would say if we were not successful, because, uh, you know, we have a big vision here, it would be because 
we've overestimated the number of families that are interested in the intersection of two things, which is one, having their kids be educated at home. So having a largely home-based approach to education and two are really excited about a very progressive and in many ways self-directed approach to education. If there's not enough families who are uh, excited about both of those areas, then we will have, uh, it will be difficult for us to realize our vision. Uh, We're feeling really confident about that though. One one reason is because I think there's a lot of families starting to really question, is the traditional approach to education the right approach? They're looking at the the kind of jobs that their kids will have. And frankly, what they're seeing is who knows, right? Like who knows what kind of careers are going to exist in the future? So I think they're realizing that uh, we need to create kids that are really adaptable and, and flexible and can, can learn and relearn anything. Uh, but the other thing that I think gives us a lot of confidence is this moment in time of COVID, where a lot of families who would have never thought about educating their kids from home are now being forced to do it. And the overarching narrative, I think, in the media is that uh, distance learning or home-based learning is a disaster and families hate it. But within that, there are all these amazing both anecdotal stories and and you're starting to see data too of families that say, wait a minute, actually my kid has never been happier. My kid has never moved uh, faster through materials than before. My kid is not stressed anymore. My kid doesn't get up, you know, feeling miserable and complaining of tummy aches. And uh, so we think, yes, there'll be a whole bunch of families that as soon as COVID is, is passed, whatever that looks like, will go straight back to the schools that their kids were in. Mm-hmm. But we think there'll be another quite meaningful set of families who say, you know what, this actually, there's something to this. And particularly for those families who want some scaffolding and some support, then we think we're going to be a great option. And, and just one little data point here. I was talking to a principal the other day from a charter school in the Bronx, and they surveyed their families uh this was a couple of months ago uh around do do you want us to continue distance learning in the 2021 uh, school year and it was almost 45 uh, almost 40 percent about 35 percent of families said yes we do but interestingly among those half of them said it wasn't because of covid it was because they just preferred Mm. distance learning Mm -hmm. so you know that's a really meaningful that that is interesting yeah super interesting yeah so i we think that there's there will be an on a bump in the number of families that, that uh, continue to homeschool after, after COVID is. All right. Right in the bump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So how can families find out more about Prisma and do you have, uh, you know, active social media presences? Yeah. So we are online at joinprisma.com and we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Again, it's join Prisma. Uh, is always our our tag. Uh, we are um, so we're currently full for this trimester, but we have a waitlist there uh, that is growing, and our plan uh, growing rapidly actually. But our plan is to um, if we have. Uh, we feel really good about the experience we're providing after this first trimester, then we'll open up a lot more cohorts starting in January. So anyone that's interested, January would be the time to get on board with us. Awesome. Well, I'm wishing you the best of luck and total wild success uh, with this Prisma experiment. I think it's very cool. It's a very cool hybrid. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it, Victoria. Thanks, Blake. I really appreciate it.